this is Top Quality Faith Ministries podcast, a multicultural global church mandated by God the Father to love and to serve as an instrument of the body of Christ. This is the house where God builds top quality faith in his people. Wherever you are listening from, we pray that you are blessed by today's message. This call is being recorded. Every single one of us on this line, we also thank you for the wisdom that's about to be preached and ministered to every single individual. And we thank you that your word of truth is going to be brought out in the life of Nehemiah. Go through Bible study and learning about Nehemiah. We thank you for everything that's about to take place. And Satan, we remind you you've been defeated. Do not interfere. You have no authority, actually, over this Bible study. And we pray that the word of truth comes out in Bible study. And we thank you, God, for everything you've done for us today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. So before we go further, if somebody can help us to do a look back before we go forward, uh, can some of you guys recap where we've been so that we can move forward? Do you guys recall what was something that really stood out to you? I help you guys what really stood out to me uh, was the walls you know really making sure the walls of my salvation is intact anything else you guys you know really took away with walked away with I took away with how, how, how the team was was good and, I mean was because of the Lord because he had prayed to God Nehemiah, that the king was um, listened and and gave him the time to go and start fixing the fixing the the um the wall and how everybody helped to fix the wall even though they had sinned and they had did all that bad stuff that they had did and gotten away from God when they um they repented and started fixing the wall. Is that an echo? Do you guys hear me? Yeah. Okay. Um, what I was saying is that what stood out to me is how Nehemiah included himself in the repentance um, as being one who recognized that it was a whole nation of people. Um, and then also the fact of um, what Hazel was sharing was laying everything down on the altar for the Lord to uh, deal with, with his holy fire. Um, so those are the things that really stood out to me.
Chandelin, you said something towards the end of the message that it was really dealing with you. Can you share? Yeah, if I can come off mute. Um, yeah, um, the, the I think the most important meet that I got that still resonates with me and is carried with me for the for the week has been um, Nehemiah's place. Um, despite the fact that you know the Israelites were in captivity, and despite that there was a lot of mourning and wailing and repentance. Um, and in what we can call, you know, dark times comparatively, it didn't change the fact that Nehemiah was in a place of influence to the point where the king of this empire, not just the king of, you know, that area, but the king of an entire empire with, you know, secular historical data behind his name, um, he was the cupbearer for that person. He was in high places with that person, despite how dark it was for the Israelites. Um, and God still made it so that Nehemiah had favor and influence with King Artaxerxes to the point where when we get to chapter two, to the very specifications that Nehemiah asked for, he was granted it with no problems. He still found favor um, with King Artaxerxes, despite the fact that, you know, he's contrite and he's in repentance and all of those things. And so for me, you know, it's it's really standing in who I'm called to be, no matter how dark it is. Um, um, and being that firefly, wink, wink, pastor, if you will, um, and, and understanding that that some of us are called to high places where it's incredibly dark, but that doesn't change the fact that God um, has put us in a place to influence and has given us favor regardless. Amen. Amen. I think another thing, that, another thing that, that the Holy Spirit brought to my attention to um, today, even earlier, he literally said to me, not uh, Nehemiah did not focus on the negative. He focused on the solution. And many times we focus on the negative and we begin to talk about all the things around us, never looking at the positive things that are going on. And that was one of the things he told me to open with is our focus is always on the negative and not on the positive things that you can do to change things for the better. The Holy Spirit said to me, you have more power than you think you have. But many of you run to the negative things that are going on and you tend to be held captive in that particular area rather than you looking at what is uh, the positive, the things that are in your space that you have the ability to do. And he said, and it could be simple as I have the ability to stand and pray. I have the ability to stand in faith. I have the ability to walk through this. And even if it takes me down, I'll still get up. He was really making sure that I understood that my go-to is the negative. And he was looking for me to begin to look at my go-through being the positive. No matter what the situation is, I have the power to change the outcome if I'm trusting and not focusing on the negative. And many of us, especially when it comes to our job, the first time something negative comes, we tend to buy into it. And the Holy Spirit is literally trying to redirect us toward the positive. And that's what Nehemiah did. Even though there were negative things spoken to him, he didn't get caught up in it. He, his desire was to change and transform a nation. And that's what God is calling us to do is to transform nations. 
And how do we transform nation when we're getting caught up in the whirlwinds as well? I'll stop. What else? Anybody else have something that really stood out to them? I want to say the character of Nehemiah as a cupbearer and the king also being understanding what was going on because if you're a cupbearer and you're looking sad, obviously he was probably drinking some wine and maybe thought, hey, he actually distinguished him, his character, Nehemiah's character, the king and Nehemiah. Um, the king distinguished Nehemiah's character as this is not a drink that's going to poison me, but there's something else going on. And he decided to go deeper into what, what is causing you to be sad, not sick, but sad. And, and for me, that was like, that really caught me that the relationship that they had to be able to know when something was going to poison him or possibly him knowing that, hey, he's sick, let me go deeper into this and receiving what God was planning through Nehemiah just going through the things that he was going through. So that's what stood out to me. I would probably add more into it. He had an intimate relationship with him that it went beyond that servanthood. And that's what really stood out too, is sometimes we have intimate relationships with one another and it goes beyond that servanthood to where we really begin to understand the flight of each and every uh, the person that we're interacting with. And to me, when I looked at the king and Nehemiah's relationship, it really made me look at my relationship with the Lord. Prophet, you've been quiet. Come on, share with us. <laughs> No, not time yet. Let them talk. Okay. <laughs> Very yeah, because if I talk, anyway, I'll tell you what stands out with me. I, everything that's been said, I'm in total agreement with. But I'll tell you what really stood out uh, near the end of our session last Friday. Um, for whatever reason, Cup jumped off the page um, when Precious read it. And so I stopped and I realized since Nehemiah was in a high position, born again believer, had a cup, which in the Bible, in the Hebrew, represents ministry, what is offered, what is offered not only from the Lord to us, but what we offer back to him in our, in our walking out what we're called to do. So the cup bearer was in a position where he could not minister that which was in inside of him that is literally inside of him and once the with that with the intimate relationship of cupbearer and the king the king was tuned in literally and by that he was able to cause a springing forth of the ministry that cup Yes, it represented for the king, but it also represents what we carry for the king. Uh. Awesome. Anybody else? Okay. okay, so let's go ahead and go into two, you guys. 
maybe let's start from the beginning of two and then we'll take it down to see where the Lord leads us. Okay, so and I'm reading. Can go slow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's always something that pops out that makes us look at something. So let's just go slow and take an opportunity to look at the words. Oh, before we get there, I know Paul didn't say not anything, but he said always he has a bunch of notes. This is the time to share some of your notes. Did I say that, Pastor? Good evening, family. <laughs> did, I, did I say that, Pastor? I, I don't remember, but uh, but if you said I did, I'll 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 I had one thing that I wanted to um, share uh, in 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 surmising and uh, uh, contrast in reference to the wall, um, and and I just. Um, what came, what what was put on my heart was that we may not have a written plan, but we all need to do our part in God's plan, and whatever we are, uh, our purpose uh, um, of re uh, affirming our relationship and and rededicating uh, and committing ourselves to uh, what the Holy Spirit has put on us. And focusing uh, on listening with a um, with a Christian ear and being obedient, and and if we haven't got clarity of a directions of what our purpose that Father God has for us, just keep continue to pray and continue to 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 follow. Uh, the guidance of his plan. I yield back to my daughter, Mookie. <laughs> okay. So. Can I say something? Oh, yeah. This is Regina. Um, what stood out last time is when the guys came from Jerusalem and Nehemiah was questioning them. And with the news that he received was not good news and he was sad, then he sat down, but he remembered what Moses said. If you don't follow my instructions, I will scatter you. But when you come back to me, I will gather you all together again. And that seems like what we do today. We can get warned. They were forewarned. We can get warnings, whether it comes in a dream, a soft voice, or somebody tells you, but we still ignore the warning or the warning signs and we go on and do things our way. And then when we get stuck, then we want to start crying out to God for help. When he already said, if you just follow my instructions or obey me, you know, I'm going to be with you. This, everything's going to be okay. But if you don't, I'm going to scatter you to the winds. And, you know, when you, when you get tired, you will call out to me. And when you repent, I will gather you back together. So that's what stood out to me, how we can be born in this day and time and we still do things our way. Awesome. That, that was definitely a good point that stood out because I did look at that and that really allowed me because, you know, sometimes we just think it's physically that we're scattered and we're here and there. But mentally, it's a place where we're scattered in our thought pattern to whereby we have no ability to come back. 
and we allow whatever it is to govern us until we get tired of it. So definite good. Good Could I add one more thing? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. But I wanted to add too is also like like when um when they were making fun of them and laughing at them when they're fixing the fence, you know, and they're all saying, Oh, even if a fox or a wolf would stand on there, it would just all fall apart. And sometimes that happens to us when people make fun of us or something that we're saying that we know is from the Lord and God, we just we um we let that stuff bother us and then we, we kinda quit, you know, and stuff and we have to um um, remember that God's with us no matter what, even if they're making fun of us, we just have to say, like you said, plant the seed. And if they want to receive it, they could receive it. If not, then, you know, they're just not going to receive it. That's all. Praise God. Okay. So let's go ahead and go forward. But that is a good word as well. Okay, so I'm going to be reading from, <clears throat> excuse me, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be this can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servants has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have the letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. So I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite officially heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. Precious, let's stop because I think mm -hmm. there was a lot that was in this that we need to go back and actually look at. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing I can truly see uh, that the Holy Spirit was showing me as we were, you were reading, it was about, uh, again, I think one of you guys said, um, Nehemiah finding favor with the king. 
But then the Lord showed me not only favor, but he was literally showing me that when Nehemiah decided to share forth the thing that was troubling him, he already had a plan in place. And so he had actually had to spend time with his Lord to really begin to understand what that plan looked like. He just didn't throw out something. He had a mapped out plan. Mm -hmm. And so the Holy Spirit was showing me in this particular situation that a lot of times when we see that something is not as it should be, the first thing we do is seek to fix it, but we're trying to fix it with our own hands in mind and not really going to the Lord for his plan. Prophet, I'm told yep. to pass it to you. <laughs> Verse three um, in the King James, um, which is a comma uh, at the end of uh, verse two. So the thought continues and said unto the king, let the king live forever. This is Nehemiah. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchers, lieth in waste and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? Just what you said, uh, Pastor, about Holy Spirit, uh, having you see how there's a plan in place, there's those pieces of that plan. This is what he's been meditating on. It wasn't just this one time, even though it looks like he appeared in front of the king and his face was saddened. It was saddened before then because in chapter one, he hears these people who make the report. So if we could make a miniature timeline this grew on him because the Bible says in chapter one that he sat down, uh, he literally uh, did what the Old Testament saints would do, is that they went away and and changed clothing and, be, and began to mourn and weep. So we're seeing now that during that mourning and weeping, these are the things that he brought up to the Lord away from everybody. And now it's listed here, but we have to take, as you said, take our time and read this. And these are the things that he was contemplating in his heart. So you gave the answer, and then here's the pieces to that. Because uh, when you go on into four, the king said unto me, what dost thou make a request? He had to have a plan in place. So his plan in place starts in one. Then we see parts of that that he Evidently, because he said the grace of God has been with me. Well, that's a that's a fancy way of saying I talked to him long enough, and now he's talked back to me. So yes, in order for us to, and if there's something we're facing, it is good to turn our face towards the wall. That is, put things aside for whatever period of time—a hour, three days, five days—and seek the Lord. It is. Right here, but we have to see it by going slowly over verses number three and four. Prof, <clears throat> Prophet Andre? Yes? 
And looking at verse three, um, where it says, I was very much afraid. Um, Can you touch on, well, this is a two part. I didn't know, but now, now it is. One, can you touch on that? But then two, where it goes further down in verse three, where it says, um, why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins? When he's speaking of ancestors, could we also take that word as far as being things of generational? That That's, you said it. And here's, here's the thing of, okay. Uh, Let's go there. On, on, <laughs> well, no, I, I'm, I, I don't know how to say it in short words. Um, a culture, the Jewish culture, the Jewish mindset, Hebrew, whatever you want to hear, Old Testament, they were entrenched in what they believed. So their belief didn't just be, it's not just surface. It goes into family structure. It goes into culture, religious practices, how we eat. It They are absorbed and consumed within their culture. So for the Bible to tell us about his face being sad and literally melt, he looked like a, a melted cac- uh, wax candle. He was that sad. It's like his, like his facial muscles drooped. And, um, and then of course his countenance was not shiny in front of the king. So in the culture, if my forefathers and foremothers, if where they believe so much in the Lord God, which would be Jehovah in this case, and the city that he said through Moses, this is a city where my name will be exalted to all nations, not to Jews only. Mm-hmm. So that's how they grew up. If, if you want to say it, they had a cultural bent because they were it was it was pushed into them they they absorbed their culture at 2 and 3 years old and so here's a gentleman who is older all kinds of history been taught to him because he's in he's in that kind of position so now that's the second part now the first one you wanted to know why um the sadness or how why his face looked long he says, I was very much afraid. So he was afraid, but now he's saying he no longer is. So when pastor mentions, okay, he, he drew away kind of how, like when John the Baptist drew away in that time to go talk with the Lord, to get a plan, obviously in that time, God dealt with his fear or why he was afraid. And now he's not afraid anymore. So I'm just, I'm trying to correlate and mix all that up in just that oh. one verse. So uh, okay. Prophet, can I pop in for a second? No, go right Because ahead. the Please. Holy Spirit reminds me of Esther. In the beginning, Esther was afraid, remember? Yes. Mm-hmm. But yes. then for the sake of the people, mm-hmm. she laid aside her fear. Did you get it? Mm-hmm. For the sake of the people, she laid aside uh, her fear. And, and him for the sake of, you know, the people again. He's laying aside the fear. Okay. Uh, maybe I said this way. The I Holy Spirit it. said to me to say it this way. 
for the sake of the kingdom, you must lay aside your fear. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way he said it to me. Laying aside the your fear for the plan of God. Nehemiah knew the plan of God. Right, and he, and he wasn't afraid mm-hmm. to execute. It's like sometimes we're afraid to share the word of God because we're afraid of retaliation. And so for the sake of the kingdom, he laid aside his own personal fears. Thank you, Lord. Because he understood who he was. Then the Holy Spirit showed me something else as I was looking at four in that place he had been ministering to the king so the king understood about his people so it wasn't that the king just heard of what was going on but he had some revelational knowledge of how he felt about his lord in his 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 how was it how would i say his kinship So it did not disturb him. It immediately moved the king to offer help. It's it's like so many times in our flight, we're looking for God to bring someone along to help us in our flight. And and we, we all look towards that. But the Lord basically says in this, he said, but you failed to understand the full plan. And that's where we have to come back to God and understand his plan and not try to mix our plans with his. He said, you must see that some suffering in your life is good. For it produces a Mm. greater character of me in thee. But a lot of times when we're looking at the plans, we're trying to get out of that suffering, but not realizing that suffering is producing something that's causing you to run closer to God rather than running toward that situation. And so in this, God's able to establish his plans in you. Then he just literally says, hear me. And so sometimes, oh my God, the Holy Spirit just says, I stir up the water with the intent for you to get in. Mm. And when he showed me that, he reminded me of the man sitting for 35 years waiting on change. And God stirs up the waters to get us to get into the water. But many of us don't move. Uh, But rather, I love how Prophet always uh, spoke about this guy because he was lazy. Many of us are lazy. (laughs) (laughs) And so when I'm looking at this, God is trying to stir up something because remember, uh, prophet deals with past. I deal with present. God is trying to get us to understand what's happening here and really begin to surrender ourselves to his plan. 
And so four really makes you stop to look. Can I add something to that? That also, um, I his brother, um, Nehemiah's brother was the one that actually told him what was going on. And based upon the response that his brother gave him in chapter 1, verse 2, because he heard the things that was going on and his brother wasn't also stepping up, Nehemiah chose to step up in this position and pray over what to do. Because we can hear things going on even through our own family members of the negative things that go on. And yet sometimes our family members won't step up. But when the Lord causes us to step up, um, it changes the whole dynamics. And I've recognized that and the Lord has actually called things in my past where I never stood up. When my family members or my, my own parents, my own sisters, have never stood up into situations that they are arising. But now, I'm choosing now after the Lord has showed me to step up despite whether my parents or my sisters. Wow. Wow. And that, that's what the Lord actually told me through this whole situation that the pastor's talking about. He heard, and look at, uh, Nehemiah never seen the situation, but his brother tells him these things. And now it's like, oh man. Now my brother's not doing anything about it. I'm going to step up and do something about this. And I'm going to be the one where the Lord will actually make this way prosperous. The, who was it? Uh, who was it where the Lord made him prosperous? Joseph, sorry. Joseph, the Lord made him prosperous through all the trials and tribulations that he went through. From being a slave to a king. And now look at Nehemiah, a cupbearer to now technically a king because now he's running the show for everything that's going on in building the wall. Now he's a king for building the wall. But he's not but running he's the not show because Christ is running the show. Remember, he's submissive. So I don't want to give him a, a power because he's just being in, submit, in that place of submission. So another thing that you brought out because a lot of times, and I really want you to get something else that the Holy Spirit put on my, me as you were speaking, because you said that his brother was doing nothing about it. Holy Spirit said to me that the brother wasn't called. He put it in the hands of the one that was going to do something about it by sharing it. And sometimes we have the expectation for somebody else to do the work, but God allows that person to hear so that the one that he called forth would move into action. So I, I love what you said, but the Lord just tapped, uh, tied that up by basically saying, hey, not only was he not to do something, but he delivered it into the hands of the one that had a passion for the things that's needed. And as we go forward, you're going to see a little bit more that he brings out. So, Brandon, what you're sharing is awesome because there's some additional things that's going to come forward as we continue to walk through this.
So are we ready to move to five, you guys? Yes. We lose our reader. Precious, no, I'm here. Her? Oh, okay. Well, I can't First do I, I can't do five without doing four because they go together. Okay, okay. The, Let's go. the king said to me, "What is it you want?" Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah. Can I stop you? He said, yes. I pray to the God and he to answer the king. Prophet, what did that prayer look like? Did he get an immediate answer or did he come back to the king? Yes, exactly. Here, okay, I'm going to answer that question. First, he came back to the king, but check. Okay, here we go. Our English Bibles do not show what happened. So we have the Holy Ghost, or, or we do a whole bunch of studying. The Hebrew doesn't write it in the present tense or the present active tense. So it looks like it says that, and I said it looks like meaning we would say, oh, he prayed to God of heaven. And then we see verse five. No, let's go 180, let's go backwards, 180 degrees. We already are told that he heard news about the condition that sparked what was on the inside of him to kick in, into gear. And then we come to chap, what we call chapter two, which is a continuous scroll, which means that activity has both yesterday and today going on at the same time, as far as time. So here, when he says, so I pray to the God of heaven, and then... I said to the king, he had already been in a position to hear the Lord. So the writer is telling us, the, which is Nehemiah, he's saying, oh, I've already gone to the Lord by the time we get to this stage. And so it, it doesn't make sense in English, but for the Hebrew, the time element is Seek and then respond. And so we see five is the response. You're quiet. Any questions, you guys? Are you guys just taking it in? Taking it in. Okay, if there's no questions, let's go forward. Yeah, yeah. He's is he trying to say like that um Nehemiah was before that he already had prayed up praise before he even asked the king. Right, he already had been praying. Yeah, yeah, he had, yeah, he had set himself aside, chapter one. He had mm -hmm. set himself aside. I don't know how, how many days the Bible may say. In, in <laughs> fact, if it tells us, it's very specific. If it does not, then what it is, is it's overall, meaning he's done it more than once. 
So for uh, for in our English, so when it in verse four, so I prayed to the God of heaven. He didn't just do it right then. And and but in the English, it looks like oh wait a minute, oh I gotta go pray. He did that in one. In fact, he was doing it when the king saw his face. Because Nehemiah was immersed in the Hebraic or the Jewish a way to set themselves apart from situations in order to seek the face of the Lord. He is well versed in that. And that's why you were saying too that we need to set time apart, not to just yeah. pray when we need something, but to be praying all the time. Amen. So that way when we need, we already been praying for it before we even ask them. Right, because see, that's that's our that's our fellowship, that's our intimate time, that's communion, and the Holy Spirit will answer you when you when when you are in communion with Him, He will answer you, whether it's a feeling or knowing or a phone call or or a, a telegram, He will get an answer to you. And it'll be directive. That is, it'll have it'll be a laid out plan, and that's what Nehemiah has done. And all of that is to face. After putting away his fears, he's now facing the king who's about to respond to him. Amen. As you were speaking, the Lord said to me, come closer. And he said, will thou come closer? And then he just repeats himself, come, come, come. That I may share my plans with thee. Come that I may show you what's to come. And then he goes on to say, many are able to see, but then he just shows me like a puzzle. And, it, and when he says many are able to see, he shows me a piece of the puzzle that each person holds. But then he said, but you all have a piece that I would like to extend to you. Will you come? But then I hear him saying, I'm calling you. And then he says, I'm, I'm bidding you to come forward. And then I hear him saying, yield thy heart. And then he said, allow me to enter into every area of your being. 
And then he says, you're the cup that I seek to pour out to the nations. And I see God holding a cup in his hand and he's pouring upon the heads of many. And then he said, will you come? Wow, Prophet, that was weird, huh? Pour out on the heads of many. So I yeah. see him with a cup and I can see people heads and I can just see their heads looking up and he's pouring a cup upon them. Amen. But the cup is us. Hopefully you guys yeah, got that. That's right. That's right. The cup is what? Us. 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 People, us. Believers. Oh, okay. It's children. Okay. And he just says, hear me, hear me, hear me. Okay, Precious, I'm putting it back in your hands. Okay. Verse 5. And I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, how long will your journey take? And when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. Can I can I say he understood the place that he was destined to go and how long he would go to that place? So even in that, God gave him not only insight into where he was supposed to go, but the timeline for completion of the task that he was required to do for the Lord. Mm -hmm. You know how sometimes God sends us forward and we want to know when we got to, how long we got to be there because it's uncomfortable to us. You already know. And God literally provided him with a timeline and, and provision in that. Pastor, may I go then, a little further? Hold on, hold on. Before you go further, okay. the Holy Spirit okay. said, and you shall have these things when you yield. Thank you, Lord. Okay, now go further. Oh, well, you said it. <laughs> <laughs> you said it. I was going to say he all he showed uh, Nehemiah ahead of time in vision form. Uh, he then reminds me, you know, you know how many of us say, well, Lord, I don't have what is needed. And God shows you the provision thereof it that, you, that he's going to supply in that place. He just said, here again, 
understand what I have spoken. He says, why I'm calling you. And what must be done in this season. He said, again, be not moved, but cling to my words. In the day, and then he says, for in the days to come, sorrow will touch your heart. Wow. Mm. And you shall desire understanding. And I shall provide wisdom to those who seek me. You know, my mind right now says, what's sorrow coming? <laughs> I know. I'm like, what's that? I know I can't do it right now, but my mind just literally went there. Mm -hmm. I think all of our kids. Exactly. My heart. Mm -hmm. So let's keep going in five. Oh, we're in verse seven now. Excuse me, seven. <laughs> <clears throat> I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asap, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. Prophet, because of the gracious hand of God was upon me, he granted my request. What is that? Because the gracious hand of God was upon me. He was making, a, a, in our vernacular, he just made a statement of faith. Here's mm -hmm. what he understood in his fasting time. He, he stated to God, I'm not coming to you because I'm so good and all that. I'm coming to you. I'm seeking you out because my myself and my people have disobeyed you. So in order to um, to stay in the same line or in the same frame of mind as the fasting he has gone through, he says this statement about God in the in their in their communion during his fasting time is that God, you are being gracious to us in sending me and supplying me, and you're giving me specific wisdom how to deal with the king that I'm serving under and what your, what your future plans are for me as far as the rebuilding of the walls. So when he says that, he's saying that because God has shown him not what he knows, but what God has seen in the people in their disobedience and part of his crying and 
sackcloth and being still and tossing ashes up over his head is that mm-hmm. God said, Let's, I want you to see what I see. That's why that statement is there. He has come to the place where God shared with him a vision of his people, how they acted. So that's Nehemiah's love response to God being gracious to him. Let's go further. Any questions on that, you guys? I know two people tried to talk. If you guys can hold in there, because I heard the Holy Spirit say something to me. He said, I say to each of you, stretch out your hand. And he says, and as thou stretch out their, your hand, Receive what I have for you. That my kingdom may be rebuilt through you. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. And then he just says, receive in your heart. Provision. But when he says, receive in your heart provision, he then asked me to go back to prophet. Prophet, when I'm stretching out my hand and I'm receiving provision, I don't know what it is, but yet I have it, right? You know, <laughs> you know if, if we are still learning about God, that may be a true statement. But as we mature in God, he literally, he, one way or the other, he'll get it over to us, a thought. Uh, 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 a vision, in, inside vision, outside vision, have somebody call us up, give us a dream. But in the if we're novice in learning about this, we may not know. But as we mature and are, we're consistent in, in relationship with him, he'll tell us. He'll just lay it out. I'm sending you 10 people. They're going to be dressed such and such. I mean, he'll just lay it out. So if we're, if we're new at it, um, you know, he may be gracious, but most of the time he's looking to see, are we going to walk by faith? Meaning, okay, God, you said you're going to do this, and he doesn't say anything else. And we go, uh, God, aren't you going to speak anymore? And so he wants to see if we're really going to follow after him. Sometimes he does that. And then he says, well, I remind you of the Shunammite woman. Yes. Mm. And then he says, and will you not see her provision? Thank you, Father. And as he began to remind me of that particular woman, he reminded me of the study that we did on Elijah and, and every single thing that came in his past, the woman with the oil, the woman that had the child, and not only that, 
the things that occurred within that region that all basically understood the move of God. And he just says to me to recall my word. And I don't know why, but he keeps referring me back as I'm looking at this particular part of this chapter. He keeps reminding me of Esther. He constantly mm. keeps reminding me of that particular relationship and what transpired in that particular relationship. Because in that, she got so much favor. Not only did she get favor, but mm. her father was placed into one of the highest positions. The government. And the funny part about it, in that place where you begin to look at Esther, they came together. Wow. Help me, Prophet. They came together and they devised a plan to take back their lives. That's right. And their generations. Exactly. There's an S on that, generation. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yes, their lineage, etc. And so the Holy Spirit then says to me, so plans are possible to be seen by all. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Now I so I know there was two questions and so I'm going to the two questions. I think one was Josie and the other one was Brandon. Mm-hmm. I can't. Prophet, I was going to ask you, can you refer back to this gracious hand of God into the law perspective? How he responded according to the law? Because I'm trying to think of the response. Forgive me, Brandon. Uh, your voice went up and down, and I I couldn't and even I, follow. I you. couldn't even follow you. Oh, okay. Can you refer back to the law that he's actually speaking about? Because everything that uh, Nehemiah is doing right now is he's basically. Referring back to the, the law of Moses of what he's talking about with the gracious hand of God. Okay. I don't know how you brought those two together like that. The, 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 that, that Hebrew idiom, the gracious hand of God, is an expression of the abundance or the bountifulness of God. If you want to use a law, it would be the law It'd be, it be it would be um, if it's going to be a law it's going to be the law of love because Nehemiah had a relationship with Jehovah 
but it's not anything dealing with Moses. Again, earlier I said Nehemiah was immersed in the culture, traditions of the Hebrew people, ancient Hebrews. So to know how to fast, to know how to change clothing, to know how to greet one another, to know how to sit when the uh, Levites would be the teachers, all that is ingrained in him. So this statement is not based on a relationship of what the law of Moses is based on the relationship of L-O-V-E, which is uh, incorporated in the Jewish culture by way of, or by means of a ritual, which is to go into sackcloth and ashes, to repent, not for yourself, but for your people and yourself. So if you want to call that a law, that's fine, but that's not, you won't find it in Moses's written law. You would find that in the traditions that the elders brought along with them, even if it began with Moses, which it didn't, it began with Abraham. So it's not it's not a law per law se per se. se. All right. It's All what right. it is. It's, it's, what it's it based is based on relationship. I guess I was referring to the scripture in uh, Exodus thirty four. Um it says the Lord God is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, truth, faithfulness, keeping mercy and loving kindness for thousands, forgiving the iniquities and transgressions and sins. But he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the avengement of uh, the iniquities, the sins, guilt of the fathers upon the children, and the children's to the third and fourth generations. That is calling the children to account for the sins of their fathers. Moses uh, Holy, Spirit. Yeah, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit said Holy to me, Spirit said to me. gotta throw that out. That's not where we're at. Yeah. It'll yeah. take us somewhere else. I was referring to the fact that in chapter one, he actually had to remember these good things of God that came through the law. Does that make but, sense? But the Holy Spirit <laughs> continues to push me towards Esther. And if you really begin to look at her father that she that was she was raised under and and really understand how he operated, he followed the law, he did the sackcloth and he did everything so the Lord was showing me how they are parallel to one another Prophet you had something else you wanted to say oh no no that was it the culture the culture the, the culture is drilled into, into every, every uh, Jewish child, male, female. Um, the relationships is the whole thing about God with with him, starting with uh, Abraham and moving forward as we come through the scriptures, is relationship. Yes, there's going to be laws because those are those are guidelines. Instructions is really a better word. When we say law, it, it it is a law, but it's more uh, instructions on how to live. And so even with a covenant, which is written down, it's still instructions on how to live. And yes, there are parallels 
in the what their attitudes or culture, cultural wise, their response to what the Lord has given them examples through different leaders. Again, we, we if you want to speak of Moses, fine. Moses walked out what was given to him that was written in their law, their instruction, the Torah. But before the written, God spoke it. So God literally gave the gave it verbally before he wrote it down. If you read Exodus, if you study it, he spoke it first. He spoke it to Moses, Moses to Aaron, Aaron to the elders, elders to the people. Then Moses went up to get it written. God wanted to make sure we got it. Okay, thank you. Did you have a question, Josie? No, no, I didn't have, you know, I was, no, I didn't have a question. Oh, okay. Precious, back to you. Verse 9, so I went to the governors of trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. Keep going, unless somebody has a question on that. Verse 11, I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night, I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal, jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priest or the nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Let then me I stop said, you right there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he has the plan and he's now looking at everything. Even though I know the answer to this. Mm -hmm. Prophet, why did he keep it to himself? 
first of all, he's following the instructions of the Lord that had, had been said to him uh, in his seeking time. Number two, it wasn't to release anything out to the enemy to to uh, ambush or to to sidetrack him or to sway him. They're going to do that anyway. But uh, what he, did, he was doing was making observation only so that when the plan was going to be executed, it would be executed without extra without these extra reaching out to people and say you know i'm here to do so and so he just literally kept to himself made observations and then was ready to follow how the lord had instructed him prior to arriving there Um, pastor and prophet. Yes. Starting at verse 11. Um, well, actually, mm, verse 13, this is the, when I was reading this, I was writing down the gates that Nehemiah was, you know, examining and just wanted to know if we could go over that because I feel there is a lot of similarities and parallels as far as in the New Testament with the names of each of these 10 gates that Jeremiah is examining. So I just wanted to know if that is something we're going to also be doing. Prophet, I am somewhat standing still reading it over again to see if get something. So if you hear something, you can go ahead of me. Oh, all right. Oh, uh, prophet? Yes. Nothing. I thought you were going to say something. <laughs> oh no, no. I mean, I, it, I, I, it goes over it again in in chapter three, two, even more specifically as far as the gates. I just, yeah, I just wanted to know if we were going to go over such parallels of that in in as far as the gates and their titles and that 
referencing also some things in the New Testament. But if it's not at this time, I, I completely understand. I want you to know, Precious, before we met this evening, mm-hmm. that was my question when I was reviewing Chapter 3 this week. Mm-hmm. Was I said, ooh, there's 10 gates. Are we going to go over it? And I said, oh, no, man, we'd be here for a year. <laughs> yeah, there are references both here in Nehemiah, uh, other books too, but Nehemiah and also the book of John. Yeah, very simple, very easily. Mm-hmm. Prophet, can you sum it up to the best of your ability? I was told to ask that question. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Okay. Let me try. (sighs) Okay. This this would work better if we had a, 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 a map that show where the gates were, but I'll, I'll I'll see what I can do here. Uh, Ancient cities, not just Jerusalem, ancient cities had, because of their location, especially since Jerusalem or Israel is in a mountainous, hilly valley area. Ideally for a city to exist, to have full commerce, to have trade, Uh, in things of that nature, not just the temple, but to have those aspects of life, they would build it in a place where they could oversee a valley, a plain area, or be hard for the enemy to climb up in a way or fashion like sneak up on you. So Jerusalem is uh, is not unusual of any of the other uh, surrounding cities. societies, cultures. The Jewish people, again, incorporated their culture and what they believed even in the building of the walls of the city. So in essence, chapter three has 10 mentions of gates. That is one gate per. The gate would be on the northern wall, southern wall, Eastern Wall and Western Wall. They each had a certain name because of their function or because of the direction that they faced. So the gates represented, of course, entry into and exit out of. Some were servicing areas. Mm-hmm. Some were areas that pointed, go, for instance, the Northern Gate, the Eastern Gate. That's because you're going north out of the city or you're going east out of the city. Also, those represented worship points as far as the priestly order. So the essence of this, I hope I'm getting across to you guys, is that the gates represented the culture and their relationship, not just to the surrounding area, but to the things the Lord would have them do. And it's built on a model of where Commerce comes in certain ways, 
people who are visiting come in certain ways. People who are of a royalty come in certain ways. Animals come in a certain way. And they all merge inside the city within the walls. And also the walls serve as watchtowers. They serve as places of exchange, money exchange, um, trading, bartering, all that. Hope that helps some of us. Holy Spirit said to say it this way. He said, when you begin to look at your surrounding cities and you begin to look at what each one, so when you go to, you know, uh, looking things up in Google or you look up things and you uh, look up, say, for instance, if I was to turn around and I would look up uh, Washington, D.C., and then I look at the history of Washington, D.C., it'll say this city represents this, 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 you know, and it began to break down that city, its alcohol, uh, its way of making money and everything. And then it goes to the next city. If we were to go to, you know, uh, California, what we're representing. And so the Lord was literally basically saying, if you stop and look at the way things are set up today, and you go back and you look at the history of that particular state, it is the same way these gates were somewhat set up. And so you, in some of the cities, we know that they're known for certain things. They're known to do certain things. And so the Lord said, if you would liken it to your current map, you will have a better understanding of what you're looking at. And so precious to answer your question, when you begin to say, is it that the Lord going to have us to move in some of these places, these cities? Of course. Okay. When we enter in through some of the gate, he said, some will be physically entering, others will do it in the realm of the spirit. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll use Chandelin, for example, you know, God put her in another state, so she's actually physically moving in this particular state. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, will she always exist in that place? I yeah. don't know. <clears throat> but will some of you enter some of these places? Yes. Will you do it by plane, by car, or whatever the case may be? Of course. And God will move through you. Hopefully that helps. Tonight I can't go far, you guys, and the only reason why I can't go far, but God said that I laid so much out on the table tonight, so I can't go further because he told me to stop at uh, 9.30. He said, for what I have given them, they must meditate. So I can't go deeper or further because he literally said it was a lot that was given. 
but what he's really looking for you to really understand how do I correlate this to my time? Mm -hmm. How do I begin to look at what's transpired in Nehemiah and begin to understand the things that God is saying to me? How do I embrace this word and become the cup in my Lord's hand? That he may pour me out unto the nations and that I may cause his people to come in. How can I do it? And so with that, Chandelin, can you summarize and get us out of here so we can go and meditate? Sure. Um, <clears throat> one thing that, that really stuck out to me and was a common theme throughout tonight's um, discussion um, was how Nehemiah was really walking in purpose and in sonship. Um, and for me, it wasn't until a couple of weeks ago when I finally stopped playing around and decided that I am who God says I am, that things started turning around um, and that people were doing 180s in my presence and, and things started knitting together as God intended them. Um, and because I, you know, embraced that area of sonship or daughtership in, in my case, um, what I witnessed was Holy Spirit <laughs> so lovingly um, soften my heart toward his people, um, get you know, <laughs> quiet my mouth on certain situations, but then also tap me into the strategies of heaven for whatever situation that I was experiencing so that I could, you know, call into authority the things of God as opposed to pleading with God, you know, um, from the standpoint of trying to convince him to say yes, partnering with him instead and taking authority over whatever situation was in front of me. And that's what we're witnessing in Nehemiah. We are watching him as a son who was trained up in the things of heaven, who knew God, who was intimate with God. And because of that was a co-heir in the strategies of God and was able to execute thusly, regardless as to the adversity that is to come in, in uh, future chapters. And so I praise God for this message um, and for how it is, I've, I've been living it out in real time. I praise God for the timeliness of it. Um, and I, I can't wait for other areas by which I'm going to be called into more submission to him. And so with that, I pray that this, this word meets all of you guys the way that it's met me and continues to meet me. And so let's pray. Father in heaven, you are wonderful yet again, perpetually and continually. We thank you for this meet tonight, for it was good to our souls. We thank you, Lord, for the insight, for the word, for your people, for the opportunity to gather in peace at this time. We appreciate the love that you've poured out on us by providing the revelation. And we will meditate on this word per your instructions until such time as we're able to meet again. All of these things tonight in Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Amen. Amen. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. If God is building top quality faith in your life through this ministry, we pray that you will partner with us by giving. You can visit our website, tqfm.org. Also, remember to subscribe for more messages like this.